the building in itself is probably the last thing that you should be looking at, right? What you should be looking at is one, the government's willing to help me here. Uh, two, I'm willing to see what markets have growth potential. Like, and so all of those factors that the cost of livings of, you know, the cost of the rents a little bit low, uh, considering all these factors, the actual building, how it's performing is almost secondary, right? In the long run. Hello, hello. My name is Abel Pacheco, and you're listening to the Five Talents Podcast, how to build wealth like the 1%. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast, how to build wealth like the 1%. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I'm the principal of Five Talents Capital. We're a San Antonio, Texas real estate investment firm, and we're actively invested in 1,500 doors of commercial real estate worth $150 million, much of which is right here in San Antonio, Texas, the Alamo City, baby. I'm also a fund manager, a capital allocator, and a servant leader who learned how to invest like the 1%. And on the Five Talents podcast, I enjoy helping others learn and doing the same. So if you're seeking investment strategies to catapult your family wealth and generate passive income, even in today's volatile market, this show is for you. Because each week we're bringing you interviews with PE firms, investment advisors, financial planners, tax strategists, VC funds, and many others who are highly skilled in handling money, good stewards of capital, and individuals who advise the wealthiest 1% on what to do with their money. So each show, we're going to provide you insights and actionable steps that you can implement to become a better investor. You're always going to learn something that you can apply in your own investment journey on the Five Talents Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited to have a return guest, Mr. Andy McMullen. If you haven't heard his first show, you need to go back find it. It's one of the first in in the first 50 or 100 episodes of um, amazing conversation. So picking up from there, we're excited to have him with Legacy Acquisitions. And Andy, thank you, brother. Thanks for joining. That's always great to be with you, brother. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Thank you for spending a few minutes today and just kind of catch us up on what's been going on. But before we kind of dig into the current, uh, as we record this, it's September 2023. So we've got all kinds of fun stuff in the real estate market, in the with Fed, with interest rates, with the economy, the market, all that good stuff. So we're going to break into you know how how real estate is going in today. But before we get there, if you don't know Andy, Andy, I'd love to you know just give everyone a quick recap: who you are, what you do, and why it's going to be exciting listening to you today. Kind of tell yeah. Us so I founded and manage a company called Legacy Acquisitions. We've been focusing on multifamily and built to rent really the last four years. I started in real estate over 20 years ago, believe it. I'm old head. I love talking the real estate game. I love reading about the real estate game. I kind of drive my wife crazy when I talk about this idea or that idea, but I just love business in general. And that's part of the reason that you and I hit it off so well, right? Abel, is that uh, we kind of, the love of the Lord and the the love of the game, right? The love of this real estate game. So I started off kind of on the brokerage side and then really kind of evolved into the acquisitions and then development side. And we did a lot of stuff in California. California didn't make a ton of sense when rent control was enacted. So we started to kind of 
There's, there, we still hold on and asset manage some of those assets in Central California and Southern California, but most of our focus now is in the Southeast, where we feel like there's a lot of growth opportunity and there's a lot of the kind of a lot of the metrics before even COVID are still playing out. And I think we're in a prime position, you know, on some of the projects that you and I are working on to really take advantage of the higher interest rates. I know that that sounds counterintuitive to folks. But because of the higher interest rates on some of the stuff we're building, we're a beneficiary. Now, I'm not one of those guys that you're going to have on that says the everybody else theorem, which is like, oh, everybody else is going to get pounded and everybody else is really struggling because they bought you know, the property this last two years. But we're great. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And my team might you know, try to send you a couple of messages to mute me on a couple parts of this pod because not everything is is great and I'll be completely transparent with what's not great. But I'm just really excited just more than anything else to just chop it up with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A few things, right? We probably, you know, are learning through the process. I, I heard you say the Lord, your wife, me personally, I'm like, man, anytime I can get another brother that's married, that does real estate, that loves the Lord, that I can just be honest and real with, to have a great conversation with. I'm like, yes, 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 and yes. And probably, like you said, one of the reasons that we're partnered together. So me and Andy, if you don't know, we're partnered on, well, a few deals, but the one that we're actively you know, involved in is, man, he's grinding out the Crest, which is a 98-unit build-to-rent in Lafayette, Louisiana, just outside. And Man, we've had a, a fun go on this first one. Him and his team have really made it easy for me to be in San Antonio, Texas and invest in you know Louisiana. We got local boots on the ground and all kinds of fun stuff, but the build around was definitely fun. So yeah, it's just great, you know, being partners and and also friends with uh, another brother in Christ that understands the hardships and obstacles that actual real people go through, man. So love it. Love it, bro. Man, I, I would say, you know, on the on just the crest in general, it's such an interesting idea, this kind of, well, we want to build out these communities, right? And we really want to, you know, without getting too deep, we want to ultimately glorify him and bless some of these communities. But we live in this mundane world, right? So we're always kind of trying to navigate what are things that are up in his will is his will. We is not on his time. We're not on his, you know, we're on his timeline. We're not on our timeline. So there's been some challenges, certainly some setbacks here and there, but you know, overall, we're about where we thought we would be. We're ahead of schedule on income. You know, we've had certainly some setbacks with the quality board in Louisiana where they kind of changed a little bit of our what people maybe don't care about, but I think it's interesting is, you know, you finish, you submit your plans, right? You get all of your entitlements and you're ready to start construction and then you're at the mercy of, you know, the Louisiana Water Quality Board saying, hey, look, we want drinkable water. We want potable water. So now we've got to basically restructure the entire thing, another few hundred thousand dollars, another few months. But now, Abel, next time you visit, you come, we have we take we go down to the Raging Cajun and hang out. We can drink some water out of our sewer. It's just, you know, it's water drink friendly. <laughs> potable water, right? I get it all, man. Which happens often. It's like the goalposts change. The new sideline, you know, gets moved. You're like, what just happened? And the obstacles and challenges are, you know, a fun one, right? Let's, if we can, sidetrack a little bit because I think it's worth the conversation. With today 
in real estate, if you've been investing through the hard times and the good times, you may realize, hey, this is one of those times that is difficult for a lot of others. If you've only had a good time and this is your first rough time, then you're essentially trying to figure out how to maneuver through obstacles. And a lot of this is mindset. You know, when we we were talking two or three years ago, we were talking about mindset on how to take action, how to move forward, how to you know, plan for that. And now it's like, it's still mindset, but how to deal with the tough times when they come, how to, you know, deal with all the effort, time and effort and energy, we creating plans and then the city moving some, you know, some of the goalposts and saying, Hey, this is different. And now it's going to cost extra money, cost extra time. So, you know, illuminate it, maybe elaborate on it. I mean, how do you deal with, you know, all the obstacles and hardships, man? What, where are you doing lately, brother? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that is part of it is there's like, it's just like when you're playing sports and you're winning all the time, like you really have to love this game to be losing, right? And still have that same passion that you're bringing and energy to the office. And so it's really important that you're surrounding yourself with a team, you know, so for our legacy acquisitions, faith, you know, our values, faith, family, extreme ownership, pursuit of excellence, integrity, and then we want to have that elite service. So if you're coming with that kind of mindset every day, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you got to bring it, right? And then some people, that's not a fit. It's, to, it's not that, you know, we're great and they're not great. It's some people are, hey, look, I don't necessarily need to be tested that way. I'm a little bit more creative and I you know, want to be doing my own thing. But I think you're starting to see that over the last three, really even longer than that, probably last decade almost where you've kind of had this trajectory, maybe a couple dips here and there, but overall you're going up. So there is, now he starts to see the passion come in. Like, can we solve this Rubik's cube? Like that's part of the fun now, right? It's not fun getting on our, our investor calls and telling them that, Hey, look, we got this setback or that setback, but it is fun saying with, you know, cuddling with the team and saying, Hey, look, we can solve this problem together. So I'll give you an example with the crest. If you recall, we had kind of, built out a number of units. So we already had about eight units kind of on the exterior of our project. And then we go through the entitlement process, right? So we got to get all of the engineering done. And we had a just terrible, terrible raining season, right? So for those that are curious about development, when you're building the infrastructure piece, when you're into that kind of original phase, you've got soil and lime that's going in that needs to be tested and dry before you can continue. So it was basically incessant rains and it was really almost three months. So if you're in the vertical stage where you're building units, you know, it dries up for half a day, you get back to work, right? You don't have to wait for that week of dry weather. So we really got pummeled on that part of it. And so that's, what do you do? You you look up and you pray, you know, and hope that we were smart enough in our underwriting to account for some of those things that we were ultimately knew that we were going to potentially deal with. And as a result, we did deal with more. So I don't know if the lesson is underwrite better or surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, but the combination of both of those things allow you to kind of weather these storms, you know, figuratively and literally yeah. you know, a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I, li- I like the combination of a few things, right? When you say underwrite better, man, a few years ago when I started underwriting, you know, everyone was saying you stress test, stress test, stress test. And I was surrounding myself with as many people as possible who knew way more than me. So everyone said stress test. And when I stress tested, it was for occupancy. 
it was definitely not for variable rate interest. How high can we go? And how rate cap? Oh yeah, you need to buy rate cap. Okay. For how long, how tight, how spread? And that's the underwriting part that shifted today. And now like, oh, there's one more thing to stress test. There's a few more things to stress test. And if you know that side you know, of the underwriting, then you know what we're talking about. If there's a passive investor, you're listening, you know, just trying to figure out a little bit more, there's always going to be something that happens in your pro forma and your projection that goes sideways or goes, you know, a different direction than you were expecting it. And, you know, part of that, what Andy's talking about is just being able to plan for, prepare, you know, make sure you're conservative enough. There's all these different angles to kind of push it, stress test it, and make sure the deal's going to work. And then I love what you say, hey, we're going to look up to the Lord a little bit. And I think the mindset, you know, for us recently, not that it's ever changed, but it, I definitely see it in a different way now. It's like, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're serving the, the Lord. And you mentioned like, man, when things are hard, you got to really love this stuff because it's a little harder to come in the office and have a smile yeah. on and get, get after it when things are going really hard, man. So that's yeah, the, that, you, that's know, you know what part. I think too, for there's the passive group that's out here that maybe they were mm-hmm. investing five years ago and now they're kind of starting to see a little bit of the downturn. You know, I want to remind people that this too shall pass, right? And in the sense that I, I went through, you know, a 98, I first came into the business in the 98 kind of dot-com cycle, 2000, September 11th, which changed the game, 2007, 2008. And all of those were kind of different animals, right? So it's hard to account, as you said, and underwrite for this kind of black swan, right? There wasn't any of the, even the Fed chairs as they kind of predict where they think right, rates are going to go that it predicted this kind of increase, right? And because no one could have foreseen that we were going to put that much money out in, into the world. But I think if people think of it holistically, over the last 20 years or over the last 100 years, if you've taken any 10-year term, right, even mm-hmm. from when 2007 to 17, when you know things didn't really come back till 2012, 14, if you take any 10-year span, there was no quarter not one quarter, if you're averaging, that was down. If you're averaging all of those wow. out, not one a quarter. quarter was down. But if, not one quarter. But if you're thinking about it as, man, this five years, and what am I going to, if I sell off now, then I've got basically nothing. But if you can hang on, and if you can hang on, and you can, what I talked about, surround yourself that love this stuff, there's kind of another side to this. So we have a hard time seeing the long game, especially when we're pounded in the media every day. Right. And you've got investor calls every day and you've got people's money that you're dealing with every day. It weighs on you. But we've got to think about this real estate game and the reasons that it makes sense. And if I could add one more thing, because we had we just I asked, I got to ask um, Keith Weinhold. I don't know if you've ever had. Have you ever hit up on your show? You know, so we wrote like a great book about the myths of real estate. Right. And he mm-hmm. wrote it in an up an upswing. And so a lot of them have to do with, you know, should you be basically paying off all of your real estate, right? You know, and certainly your return on equity would be a lot lower and increase your leverage. So some things he would, he, by his own admission, would have changed a little bit. But here's what didn't change is all the ways that you have to make money in real estate. And as you're a passive investor, I want you to just think about it. If you're to think about the opportunity that you have for the equity appreciation, the opportunity eventually the cash flow, and maybe you're not getting in that 12, 18 months like you did before, maybe it's two years. The depreciation, right, which was people don't think about because 
basically the government is giving you this money. So you've got those three ways. And then a difference is a loan pay down, which in commercial real estate, people don't think about because they think, well, that's true. I pay down my house with my own money, but it's in commercial lease, it's not your money. You're basically paying down this loan with the residence money, right? And you're getting depreciation from the government. And so you're getting all of these kinds of additional bonuses as you invest in real estate, irrespective of whether your NOI or the cap rate goes down. Many people would argue now's the best time to be paying your mortgage because you're paying less of that, right? Dollar for dollar, you're paying less mortgage than you would have two, three years ago. So your rate still stays the same, but you're paying less of it. So there's a lot of things that I like to just kind of temper everybody's, you know, doom and gloom, the sky is falling with, hey, there's some real opportunity here as well. Yeah. Yeah. And man, on the opportunity standpoint, maybe we can hear a little bit from you where you think the opportunities are, because, you know, just like there are specific properties in our portfolio today are like, man, they're not cash flowing. They're not doing the distribution piece where they should be. And we're like, oh, that's a hardship. I have some investors that are asking me, they're like, are any of your deals cash flowing? And I go, yes, I hope you're in some of them. I'm looking through it. (laughs) And they go, oh, some of these other properties, you know, I have a couple that are, like I said, a few that are in hardship and a few that are just performing every freaking month. And on the flip side of it, the opportunity was, you know, a few years ago, we purchased an asset, we had a nice cash flowing opportunity, you had a fixed rate position, those deals, you know, in our books are like, just doing well, they're hitting their performance. When we look forward in three or four or five years from now, it's going to be so easy to have our hindsight and say, man, I wish I would have done. ABC, XYZ in September, 2023, man. So always hindsight. What is the the most painful hindsight though, for most people is that kind of pain that they feel when they drive by a property Mm. that they wish they still had, right? Yeah, dude, it's it's an ongoing. It's rare that you've got this situation where God, I mean, there, there was one in Dallas where you know, I couldn't wait to get out of it. And I was in it for 10 years. I couldn't wait to get out of it. It was one of my first syndications. And I think I'd done about 90 of the 100 things wrong in it, right? And I couldn't wait to get out of it. And now I look back, there were so many, I could have, I, I had the loan pay down. I, I, I was saving the taxes. I did have the appreciation. If I was to hold on to that property now and look at it, I'm like, oh, come on. So I think that, that people need to kind of, Think holistically. Now, some properties they're just not salvageable, but almost all the banks today understand the state we're in. And one thing I remember about the last cycle is that there were a lot of opportunities with good operators to be kind of negotiating. Hey, look, let's keep this thing alive. I know you don't want to deal with it. We've got some money. We're willing to give back a little bit of equity here. We're willing to make some of our investors whole. You're going to have to wait, but there's usually levers that you can pull. Not always. But there, there usually is there. There usually are some some levers, even if you had pulled the wrong one four or five months ago. You know. Hey there, Five Talents podcast listener. My name is Clint Coons, founding partner, attorney at Anderson Business Advisors. With a little bit of help from our tax and asset protection workshop, you'll be able to protect your investments and minimize the risk of losing everything. Register for our next free workshop at aba.link/forward/slash/five talents. 
Look, I'm a real estate investor like you, and so it is my partner Toby Mathis and I who are hosting this event. We've developed these proven strategies through decades of investing experience, building a portfolio of over 300 properties. We're gonna teach you the best strategies to minimize your taxes, create a plan that protects your existing assets, and create a legacy for generations to come. Learn more and register at our next event at aba.link forward slash five talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, man. Good mindset. So our property, like for example, the build to rent side of it was a great hindsight looking back three years ago. Yeah. We go, oh, we're going to take a, a home and build it. We're going to start with land, do the ultimate value add, construct something from from scratch. And it's amazing. Now you're giving people an opportunity to rent something that they can't afford. And now interest rates are high. People, it's harder to get in a home, but they can rent one. And our rents are better than projection, better than pro forma, right? So looking back on that, and that was a great one. I wish I would have did more well, built so around think, three years ago, right? Yeah. I think it's so interesting. Like, even if, you know, we're to give Derek and you know, our partner, Derek Alexandrenko, shout out to who's- He's a crushing it. Yeah, he's the he's, guy with the hard hat, driving the teams, driving the crews, having but, but the, the But he's a genius, right? Good but, shot, but, but, Derek, but, even, good but even he, he and Chris Vaughn, who are on the ground, as, as smart as whips, but even they could not have predicted mm-hmm. the kind of trifecta, right? Which is that we're going to have this low supply, right? We all knew that. Yep. We're going to have these kind of rising rents in not every market, right? There's some markets that are descending, but most markets in the South are ascending. And that's another thing I would remind investors is just because we have a descending market here, that real estate is cyclical mm-hmm. and it's regional. Now, after 2008, maybe because the music stopped everywhere for everyone when it was when the loans basically were just cut off, then it became much more of a national issue. But I still think we're now more in a regional real estate market. But even he couldn't have predicted the third one, which was so. So you got your your rents that have been going up. You've got your supply that's low. But even the third one we could have never predicted, which is this huge affordability gap that just keeps growing and growing and growing. And even if it wasn't there, even if you know rents and the mortgage payment were pretty close. We still believe that most folks want to live in new stuff with big backyards, doggy doors, their you know walking trails, their parks, and all that Full stuff. Size kitchen, you know, great yeah, living and, room and areas. To, like know, a hunt, to turn on their home, air man. conditioning when they're coming home. So the affordability gap was huge. Now I think even the icing on the cake was everybody kind of predicted that senior living, you know, because of the baby boom. Et cetera, et cetera. Like that was going to be the bit, and, and it's still doing well. Don't get me wrong, but I think the data is showing that a lot of those seniors are much healthier, longer. So now, what we've seen with our tenant base, now our resident base, is not only the young families that want to be next to good schools, right, good elementary schools, but that we're getting a lot of the kind of empty nesters, and those are folks that you know they don't want to be you know, having to cut their lawn, but they love the idea of their backyard and barbecue and, and walking around the community. So that's kind of, you know, so give credit to those guys. I certainly started looking at build some rent before COVID four years ago, but there's a lot of kind of, you know, additional benefits. And then you know, we should eventually talk about, the, you know, the benefits of just where interest rates are and how that yeah. affects the built to rent development as well. Yeah. Well, you know, while we're here, 
How does it affect? <laughs> How well, does it affect I mean, Builder Outlet? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think what we you remember very early on, you know, the cost of lumber was Materials like sixteen hundred dollars or one thousand yeah. board, right? It was it was crazy. Now it's you know, it's back down to kind of where it was before, even lower. Concrete's gone up, right? But what we were competing with at the time was the built to sellers, right? So we didn't have our pick of the litter for labor. We were competing with a lot of built-to-sellers. We didn't have costs hadn't normalized. So we've kind of, you know, and I was talking to our lender, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and he's saying, look, look, if you guys can build quick enough, you guys are primed for an incredible opportunity over the next two years because you're not competing with the built-to-sellers. You've got the rate, you've got the costs that have normalized. We're doing mostly stick build. So there's some concrete expenses and certainly fuel, but even that's come down a little bit. But because we've got labor that can move fast and we've got rate caps on the interest rates that we're paying over the next two years, if we can build and stabilize these development projects, we're in a much better situation than we would be, you know, where we're competing with, you know, labor. And if rates came down, you know, then then we've got kind of supply and demand issues where, you know, costs are going to go up, right, for materials, et cetera. So in this kind of two-year window, built to rent is really poised well. You know, that's not to say that, you know, schadenfreude for everybody else, but I, I do feel like there's an opportunity for some investors if they are concerned about the housing crisis. This is a fantastic way to be putting your, you know, fa- fantastic place to be putting your money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And always still regional, always still in that specific spot because supply and demand is absolutely real. And it's absolutely real when it comes to the housing area. So when you say, oh, we're overbuilt in a certain city or an area and they're building apartments like crazy and building houses like crazy. Well, another city, you know, just 45 minutes, you know, north or south is all right. of a sudden population growing and it's undersupplied massively. And that 45 minute distance makes a big difference. So it's like that are the areas or the specific market and submarket data you need to look at. But if you can, you know, put it together in the right way. Now you've got an opportunity on your hands and, you know, guys, these things though, looking back, it's hard to project, you know, going. Oh yeah. It's impossible. Right. I mean, yeah, I've been a dummy so many times and being like the biggest dummy is when you're so certain of something. Yeah. Right. And you're so certain that you're going to put all your eggs in that basket. I mean, I think that there's a version of that going on now where people are still saying, Hey, look, MSAs, MSAs, that's the only place that I want to invest. And my feeling on that is, yes, you can look at it that way. And you can kind of consider what previously, I mean, look, I invested, we invested in Austin, right? And we saw, we would have never predicted negative rents in our underwriting, at least, you know, maybe we were a little aggressive even at three, but we would have never predicted negative rents, but that's what areas like that saw. But I think for if you can consider markets that are secondary and tertiary that have not been the ben- have not benefited in the same way that these MSAs are, but they have good schools, they have you know billions of dollars of infrastructure being poured into these communities. You know, Foley, for example, you know they've got Novellus and they've got Baldwin County and they've got you know Airbus and there's a lot of kind of it's a smaller smaller community, but there's a lot of places around the country, you know, Youngsville, right, is sits right next to where we are, our Broussard and Lafayette project that we're partnering on. That was one of the top 10 
places to live in the country. I'm not just talking about Louisiana in the country, but people don't know about that stuff, right? Because yeah. they're focused on Dallas, 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 you know. And I, I still like your, your San Antonio market. And I still think there's even some areas around San Antonio that make sense. But I think that people sometimes become a little bit too prone to what they're hearing from other folks and not really looking at the data of some of these things that are sending around them. Yep. Yeah. When you buy in a quote unquote football city where we all want to be where this, you know, where the football teams and, and pro sports teams are, but at the same time in a submarket, 45 minutes, an hour and a half south or north in any direction of that is like, hey, there's population here and it's growing. And the prices are different an hour south. They are different an hour east. And so those are the things that you never know or in a different Sunbelt state than you're normally in. But yeah, I agree, man. We've got a deal in McAllen, Texas. It's like two and a half or three hours south of San Antonio, even tertiary, you know, tertiary market to the max, probably, you know, four or five on the list. Probably if you go down the the way, it's further down, but it's one of our deals that just still cash flowing. You're like, okay, <laughs> that deal's paying out. And you're like, you like these opportunities, but anyways. And, and it's not to say that MSAs aren't in the long run, yeah. right? Going yeah. to be healthy and strong. But I think you've got to look at this holistically. Again, if you go back to that hundred years, right? Mm-hmm, it's almost mm-hmm. like the building in itself is probably the last thing that you should be looking at, right? What you should be looking at is one, the government's willing to help me here. I'm willing to get appreciation here. I'm willing to get cash flow here. Uh, two, I'm willing to see what markets have growth potential. Like you said, McAllen, I remember looking at that with you saying, hey, this is a real growth opportunity, right? And so all of those factors that the cost of livings of, you know, the cost of the rents a little bit low, considering all these factors, the actual building, how it's performing is almost secondary right in the long run yeah it's really all these other things around it and then the team that's operating that thing is almost you know is almost more important than than all of those because you know you and i have had this conversation many many times would you prefer a mediocre you know would you prefer a bad operator in a great market or a mediocre operator in a you know bad market i would take the mediocre operator because it's just got a much better chance at making something work, you know? So, yeah. So yeah, man, it's been fun talking. That's it. You know, just kind of getting after it. 20 minutes and, you know. It's been fun, bro. I'd like to move a little bit on what you think is going to happen in the future, man. What were, you know, I don't want to say bring out your crystal ball. Yeah. Where, what are you doing, you know, next and what's on the horizon? Your team's been growing. You guys are a growing crew, continues to move forward on, you know, some construction stuff. Where, yeah. where are you guys headed? Yeah. Well, so, you know, so I'm, we're about 14 now. And I think that, you know, one of these episodes, we probably should talk about the kind of team building part of it, right? Because that's so crucial to Abel actually being able to focus on those things that he's good at, as opposed to trying to manage hundreds of other things, right? That was a tough one because you can always move faster by yourself. Doesn't matter what you're doing, even if it's not as good, you can move faster by yourself. But you just can't, you can never scale that way. So we brought in some folks that are really good at a lot of the different pieces of our business. But where we really we still believe in able is let's find markets in development-friendly municipalities. And that that still could be 
you know, the Carolinas, still could be some some MSA markets, Texas still like Louisiana, Mississippi. There's a ton of markets that fit that kind of growth area, growth have a growth opportunity, good schools, and the development friendly municipalities. I'm in San Diego, as you know, we couldn't get a deal done in this market, but we can get deals done with people that want to help us. The other thing that maybe we should have a discussion on at some point in the future is the opportunity for tax credits and grants. In many of these secondary markets, we've got some cash coming in from those types of you know income producing opportunities, not necessarily LIHTC, but middle and producing areas and a lot of the areas in around the South, there's money that's designated. So we, we like that opportunity as well for our next five years. Man, break into maybe some of the tax stuff that you're seeing. What are they yeah. new programs? Are they existing ones that people just haven't taken advantage of? What are you yeah. seeing? So it's interesting is, so we hire a consultant and we kind of have regular meetings. But what's interesting is a lot of money is allocated to these areas where the the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And so a lot of politics play into opportunity zone, for example, right? We've seen the opportunity zone. Some of these markets are definitely not what should be deemed opportunity zone, but they could make the case, right? You can make the story that basically, yes, you've got incomes going up, but you've got rents a little bit higher, right? Or there's a job growth, but there's the case that you could make that yeah, but that's mostly in this particular region over here. Like, for instance, you know, our project technically sits in Tucson is underfunded, right? Even though it's pulling residents from Lafayette, right? Even though it's pulling resources from Lafayette, it's benefiting from the tide. But Tucson, that area, that's awesome. There's some money available there. So you can make the case. And Foley is the same thing. So grants able, long term loans, in some cases, based on the amount above basis. So in, in other words, if your NOI is a dollar, you're paying your loans in some cases on that dollar, right? It's not based on your entire loan amount. So there's grants, uh, loans like that, 35-year loans. There's you know tax credits, which as you know, have a secondary market. So you could be gifted tax credits for your company and utilize those in any way that you decide, right? There's even a, a market for selling those tax credits. So as a real estate creator, and that doesn't mean just development, but real estate creator, you know, operators that are making things happen and renovating buildings and bringing value to communities, there's a huge, huge demand from these cities and municipalities to take credit for that. And so they want to help you. And then as a result, they're willing to, to give you some dollars to do that. Yeah. And a lot of times it's discretionary. Yeah. So, love it. And this is the part I might want you to cut out because I don't want I don't want anybody else knowing about this. Stuff. I was about to say something similar, which is I hope nobody's listening to San Antonio, <laughs> but in San Antonio for some historic downtown buildings, which that you know, they want people to move into downtown. Historic, old, beautiful areas. These are hundred plus year old buildings which are, you know, it's a new area, new phase for us to kind of even look at into. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do the due diligence on some of this stuff, like from a contractor construction area, I need like a specific team, but they're, they have grants and credits from the city. They're like, anybody that's owning in this area, 
you will give you fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to beautification on the outside. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, wow, there's these new things that, you know, people can look into. And And that's why I come back to the team part of it. Like, there's got to be a passion in your group Mm -hmm. to beautify Mm -hmm. these buildings. And if you can, and you could get up every day excited about, hey, I can really help this community, then that uphill climb will be, you know, some rain will come in too and you'll flourish because you've gotten help from communities and politicians. And But for the many people that in this last 10-year run, things have been relatively easy and smooth and not without some setbacks. And I'm not putting everybody into the same category, but there are a lot of teams that are not capable of doing that work yeah. in order to benefit from that. And so that's kind of where I think People are willing to do the work. And there's people that are out there, I've had this conversation before, that are in completely different business, but they work their ass off or they've got the set of skills or they write well or they speak well or they underwrite well or they project manage well and they want to get into the real estate game. There's a lot of operators that need you. So pick up the phone, you know, leave Abe alone. He's got enough things to handle, but pick up the phone and call these guys and say, (laughs) Say, I I can add value, you know? I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, that's a good plug. You know, how we got started in the first place, you know, we're trying to figure out underwriting and, you know, looking at deals and looking at opportunities. And it went from, well, commercial real estate anyways, it went from doing it on their own to, oh, let's work on a team and let's identify some opportunities and assets that we can invest in. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense, man. Well, here we are continuing on. Don't buy any San Antonio historic building. Um, (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. Don't look into it. But at the same time, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities that we should be looking into. I've heard some other military ones for the same portion that you mentioned, staffing veterans on a team. There's some programs that you can also hire some, you know, some military, hardworking veterans with amazing skills that the government will also pay for on those. And I, you know, honestly haven't looked into it, but somebody mentioned on my a previous podcast and I was like, oh, I haven't I done that before, but yeah, the desire to go work with a team and trying to figure out, hey, who, who can help us with these set of skills and be better operators? Yeah. You know, I've been here in San Diego, there's a couple of programs like that. And some of them are hard to take, hard to get into, right? Because there's a lot of vetting, but but man, if you can pull that off, like just think about the quality of talent that you're bringing onto your team right? Amazing. and the quality of work. So yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. And so I just want people to think about, you know, you, you look back in that last five years of your life, there was some pretty terrible memories, right? Just whether it was life or something else. And you think back and you're like, but I'm okay. I'm okay. We'll get through it. There's going to be the next phase. And in that last five years, you can think about there was probably days you didn't want to get out of bed, but you pulled the covers off and you got you made something happen. And now you're in a position today because you did that. Right. So this is that kind of opportunity. Right. I, we talked about James one two. consider it pure joy for trials. We test him our faith that leads us to maturity. Right. Perse- perseverance, and maturity. So this is kind of an opportunity for folks to really show their mettle. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that want to help you do it too, right? For long. On this last note, you know, scripture that you just read, right? And and if you do, don't doubt, or your mind's like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, because whatever you ask, you know, know that you're going to receive it. Otherwise, hey man, you're blown and tossed by the wind, and that is something I've been working a lot on 
recently as the words that I'm saying. So reminder for mm. everyone. Oh, you know, I, I want this. I need this. I think I can. And those words, as opposed to like, we are doing this. Is it a need thing or it, you know, the Lord's will, his way, his time, it will be worked out. I'm, yes, I am doing that. Mm -hmm. And in his time. So just be careful. In his with time. Word. In his time. But yeah. what you talked about is so key, right? One of the great gifts that I ever got from one of my mentors, the late great Steve Warren, is a book from Seneca. And one of the quotes in there is for the man who does not know where he is sailing no wind is favorable, right? So we're kind of getting, you know, we don't know where we're going. We're just, it doesn't matter where the wind is going, right? So just keep your eye on the ball. You're going to make adjustments. You're going to iterate. You're going to make pivots, but yeah. Yeah, baby. Well, yeah, Andy, make, for anybody on the show, you know, anybody wants to reach out to you, learn more about Built to Rent, learn, you know, in, investing in different areas, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, or join the team. It sounds like let everybody know where should we reach out and contact yeah, you? How please. do we get in touch? So legacyacquisitions.com. We got quite a few tools. You can you can tell by you know our discussion. You and I both believe a lot in habits. We've got a cool habit tracker, we've got really cool underwriting tools. We've had the legacy. We got to get you on there. We've had the Legacy Build Your Wealth Legacy series. So we've had a lot of great speakers on there. So all of that's on our Legacy uh, website. And yeah, if you are just even new to the game and have questions, we'd love to be, you know, have a conversation with guys on our team. We'd love to open that up. We really feel like there's a huge benefit we can. That's kind of our business as a ministry is let's figure out ways to help other businesses grow. So. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, dude, is there any last thoughts, any last ideas, any last no, things? No, I just, I just want to say, yeah, to you, man, thank you so much for all that you're doing to this one, for this community, all that, that you've been able to help us as operators build our business too with your insight and just grateful for you kind of doing his will, right? It's not every day that you see somebody carrying that out in their daily life and not without you know, real challenges, right? Or real self-doubt that we all deal with, but you just keep pushing through, man. So love to be part of your journey, brother. Amen. Thank you very much, brother. For everyone listening, thank you, Lord, for all you do. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Thank you for your son. And we appreciate it. Hope to see you on the next show. And thank you, Andy, very much for joining us Not on another episode for the Five Towns Podcast. We'll keep it coming. We'll just keep it coming. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, brother. All right, later. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Five Talents Podcast with myself, your host, Abel Pacheco. We really appreciate you liking, following, subscribing, and leaving all the written reviews for the Five Talents Podcast. Each week, we're going to continue to bring interviews with private equity folks, VCs, advisors, financial planners, strategists, tax strategists, and other stewards of capital, many of which advise the wealthiest 1% on what to do with their money. So we appreciate you joining. Also, if you want to be notified of monthly future events we're hosting or attending, and if you want exclusive access to the same investment opportunities that have largely been reserved for the wealthiest 1%, many of which you've rarely ever heard about, go now to our website, watch our wealth building case study, and register to be added to our investment club. We're going to send you future opportunities, and you'll be able to watch all the moves that we make firsthand. Your investment journey is waiting for you to take the next step. So what is the next step? Go to www.thenumber5talents.com 
talents.capital. That's five talents.capital and register today. Thank you again. We can't wait to bring you the next show. And thank you for liking and subscribing.